0: What's going on, people? Good morning, good morning. Top Notch Sports back with another podcast episode. It is October 31st, 2019. I want to thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for y'all support. Um, Once again, the Anchor app is where I put my episodes out on. If you do not have the Anchor app, you can always look me up on Spotify under Top Notch Sports. You will see the picture uh, of me and Earl Spence. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, man, to get right into it. Looking forward to this weekend, UFC 244, Masvidal versus Diaz. A uh, great matchup for the BMF title, the baddest mother. Y'all know what it is. Um, I'm very, very happy that this fight will be going through. Um, if you kept up with the UFC news, you know Diaz had a scare with USATM, um with a failed drug test. Nate immediately came out on social media and let everybody know that, you know, it's not real. You know, I've been a clean fighter all my career. Why would I start to cheat now? Which the test results came back and, you know, they you did something wrong. So, Diaz is clean. Fight is still on. Five rounds in the welterweight limit, 170 pounds. Uh, in my opinion, this is a hard fight to choose, man. This is a hard fight to choose. When you look at Masvidal's last two fights, uh, the win against Ben Askren in five seconds at Flying Knee. Askren was undefeated. Uh, And then you know before then he knocked out Darren Teal and Teal was looking phenomenal uh, Just knocking guys out running through guys. So this is a very tough fight to pick Uh, Diaz after almost three years off Pretty much dominated Anthony Pettis in his last fight. He looked very very good. He looked sharp. Uh, He put the pressure on him and I mean he passed that test with flying colors Diaz looked phenomenal. So when you factor that into ring rust, is not an issue for Nate. When I mean, you look at his fights with Conor McGregor, he looked well in those fights. You look at his fight against Michael Johnson. I mean, Diaz has done nothing but improve since then. So, very very tough fight to choose uh, right now. I'm pretty sure that my pick will change. You know, uh, I lean towards Mos, you know, game bred and sometimes I lean towards Diaz both kind of have a similar style boxing heavy style good volume uh great boxes some of the best boxes in the in the ufc right now so kind of even match up until you know you start to go to the ground then it starts to lean diaz's way you know diaz has great jiu-jitsu is a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt he's got the submission wins he's got one over conor mcgregor marcus davis takanori gomi jim miller and the list goes on you know diaz has put out some great guys, but you look at Masvidal, man, he's just, both these guys are tough as nails, and, I mean, I think this is what makes this fight so interesting. So, right now, if I would go with a pick, I'm going Nate Diaz right now. I'm going Nate Diaz because Diaz, man, this fight so interesting because both these guys have great wins, but they also have been on the wrong side of some tough decision losses. So, it's very, very hard to choose. So, for me to say Nate Diaz right now, In my head, I'm saying The Game Break can win this fight too So it's a very, very tough fight To uh, pick, but That is the main event for UFC 244 And the co-main, Kelvin Gassel And Darren Till, I'm not sure If it's a guaranteed go For that fight as well um, Because Till Is from England and he's had issues with his visa I've heard that, you know That he should be arriving in New York today So that fight Could still be on, but if if he cannot make it, if he has not flown in, if he has not got in yet, the UFC, are, um, they're looking to replace Till with Jared Conair. I believe I'm saying that right. Uh, he just came off a victory, I believe, two or three weeks ago. He's already cutting weight just to be on standby, but Kevin Gaston is not interested in fighting a replacement, which is, you know, that's a letdown. Uh, this is a big card, so... Whether you fight until Till or not, I feel that you know you should fight. But I believe Till will fight. Darren Till's moving up from one seventy to one eighty five following two straight losses against uh the former champion Tyron Woodley and Game Bred Moss Vidal. I think Till at 185 would be a lot, much, much, much better. Uh he's not cutting that weight. Till was a big 170 anyway, you know, six foot six one. But he's a big guy to be, you know, cutting weight at 170. You know, he's probably walking around north of 190 to 200 pounds. You can see that he was drained after every weight cut. So uh, to see him fighting at 185, I think it's great for him. Kelvin Gaston, you know, he fought at 170, moved to 185. He's looked phenomenal, you know, coming off that loss to Israel But That was a great fight. You know, he he looked phenomenal in that uh, fight as well felt like he kind of slowed down the fourth and fifth israel start to pick him apart but all in all Kelvin looked great uh he's knocked out michael bispink he's been i mean he's been looking good at 85 and Kelvin carries power he's he he carries a lot of power so the question in my opinion is can till take his punch but at the same time darren till packs a lot of power as well great boxer uh kind of darts in and out uh and he's a much bigger guy and we've seen Kelvin. Kind of struggling that fight with Israel, you know, kind of you know trying to get in in that range, so we'll see um if I had to choose somebody on this fight in three rounds, I can see Darren till edging it out uh I think till will be much fresher at one eighty five i think you know health wise condition wise I think he'll be a lot better and I think Kelvin will have issues getting in you know that range landing big shots if he can land a big shot and follow up. You know, maybe he can finish it, but I'm leaning towards Till to, you know, be defensively responsible come Saturday night, landing good shots, uh, keeping Kelvin behind his jab, behind their great one-two, nice kicks to the body. You know, I believe that he can keep him at bay um, all night for three rounds. I believe he can do it. And, you know, I I think this raises Till's stock immediately at middleweight if he beats a guy like Kelvin who's uh, inside the top five. But, um That's it for the first half of the podcast. I'm coming right back to you with some NBA news and following, and and I'm going to follow up that with some NFL news and a preview of Kovalev versus Alvarez, which also goes down this Saturday. Now, uh, thank you guys for joining back with me. On to the NBA news. NBA news off top, I want to cover the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors have looked. Oh, man. Being a fan of Steph Curry, Draymond Green, I love those guys. I love, you know, how they play basketball. I love their approach to the game. I've been a Steph Curry fan for a long time. Love Draymond Green. Uh, But, man, they're struggling. They're struggling here early. and It's not looking too good, you know. Before the season started, I felt with that roster, even though it's a downgrade for, from what they've had in the previous years, I you know I just felt like they can get well that they could get a six, maybe seven seed, or maybe even a fifth seed with you know just the championship pedigree that they have. You still got Steph, you still got um, Draymond, you add D'Angelo Russell, you still have a great coach and Steve Kerr, and you got you know some. Some solid assets who can, you know, maybe build off these guys. Young team outside of, you know, the championship players. But, you know, I still felt like they had potential. Now, not so much after what I've seen. Um, Being down big against the Clippers, I understand it's the Clippers. They're a powerhouse, a great defensive team. But to see what, you know, to see what happened last night against the Suns in the first quarter in the first half and, you know, Golden State, they they're just not looking good, and now you factor in Steph Curry breaks his hand. He broke his hand last night, so I'm not. Who who knows how long Steph is going to be out? Who knows how bad the break is? Of course he he you know he's going to be out for you know longer than a month. Good thing it's not his shooting hand, but he did break his hand last night, and right now all the Warriors playoff dreams completely over because you factor in, of course, you got the powerhouse teams in the West, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Rockets. The Mavericks have looked well. You know, you got those three powerhouse teams, Lakers, Clippers, Rockets. Then you factor in that the Mavericks have have looked well. The Suns have looked well. They've, they, they've beaten the Clippers and the Warriors. Um, you still have Portland, uh, Utah. You know, you still have good teams in the West. Where does Golden State fit in? Right now, in the first half of the season, And, you know, your star player, your best player goes down. There's no Sean Livingston to help. Um, You don't have Klay Thompson. You don't have uh, Iggy anymore. You don't have Kevin Durant. So, now you have to lean on Draymond and D'Angelo Russell. Hopefully, you get, you know, Looney back soon. You got Carly Stein back last night. But outside of that, you have nothing but, you know, a lot of young guys. Jordan Poole, uh, Spellman, I believe, you know, he – he finished the game pretty well last night, but can you get that from him on a consistent basis? And you have, you know, pretty much average players like Alec Burks. Can you depend on these guys to at least try to hold it down long enough until Steph gets back? That's the big question. If they can do that, then I believe that the Warriors' playoff chances can still be there, but they're not as high as I had them as you know going into the season because they just haven't looked good at all to me. They just haven't looked good. <clears throat> you still, out. of course, you got the Pelicans as well. Good young team. Who knows how good they'll be when Zion gets back. But as of right now, that young core is holding it down with Lonzo and Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. You got your vet, J.J. Redick, and Derek Favors in there. Uh, those guys are holding it down very, very well. But on to those powerhouse teams again, and I feel like another powerhouse team right now, out of the East is the Philadelphia 76ers. Four no start. Uh, Embiid has looked well. Ben Simmons has looked well, and I, I knew honestly they were, they are still and have been my pick to come out the East this year. Just off of, you know, they can build on what they did last year. They looked very well against the Raptors with Kawhi. Took them to Game Seven. They lost at the buzzer. Philly can compete with anybody in the East. I think they are the best team in the East. Now you factor in that, you know, you add some good pieces. You add a Josh Richardson from Miami and a, um, you know, you add Richardson from Miami and then you add Al Horford. You still keep Tobias Harris. You still have Mike Scott. You know, that's a good team over there, led by Embiid and Ben Simmons. I don't, I feel like if they run into Milwaukee, I believe that they can beat the Bucks. I love Giannis, but I don't think they have enough firepower to stop Philly. Boston didn't look good within the first two games, but now they're starting to look like a team. Kimball Walker is leading the way I expected him to lead. I believe Boston would be a better team than they was with Kyrie. Uh, Kyrie and Kimball are very similar players, but I've always said Kyrie's downfall uh, to me is his leadership. I don't think Kyrie's a very good leader. Kimball Walker fits that. Position very well in Boston to be a leader to lead those young guys Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Carson Edwards all these young guys that they've got you know that they've picked up over the years. Kemba Walker is a guy to lead their team. I believe that that they are a top three team in the East. Also, of course, and you have in my opinion the two powerhouse teams in the West, the Lakers and the Clippers. If you watch the Open Night, Lakers versus Clippers was a great game, back and forth game. Clippers start to edge their way towards the end and it just shows how good of a defensive team they are right now so when they get Paul George of course they'll be even better you factor in that Patrick Beverly was being Patrick Beverly uh, Kawhi did a very good job Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams uh, Landry Shamet, Moe Harkless Zubats was a great team over there you have a you know a great center core when it comes down to your starters, but then you have guys off the bench that can, you know, I mean, they had 60-plus points coming off the bench opening night. Lou Williams and Harold, those guys looked very, very good. So they'll be tough to beat when it comes down to can you stop their bench? Can you stop their bench? You know, with the firepower of a Kawhi Leonard and a Paul George, and you have your, you know, your role players, got your, your supporting cast, your Patrick Beverley's, your Montrez Herald, uh your Zubats, you know, those are great, you know, those are great guys over there, and that's a tough team to beat. But the Lakers didn't look bad. I just feel like, the clip you know, the Clippers had a good defensive game plan going into the second half, stopping AD and Bron. Of course, they were also shorthanded, no Kuzma, no Rondo. Um, if you know me, you know I've expressed a lot that I, I like Kyle Kuzma, I just don't think he's better than Alonzo Ball or a Brandon Ingram. I feel like they would be a much better team if they had maybe one of those players. But Kuz is still a good player, so of course they they would be a better team when he gets back. Uh, Rondo, you get your you know your leading point guard back, uh, and then you add you know you factor in their supporting cast. You get Rondo and Kuzma back, and you run that offense through AD and LeBron like you've been doing. Everything should fall into part. Avery Bradley. Danny Green who looked great. Um opening night. Um Kyle Will Pope in their last game, he looked better. But he has to you know, he has to be better. Uh Avery Bradley, uh Quinn Cook, you know, they have a good supporting cast. You got Dwight Howard and JaVel McGee. Um uh, their bigs are phenomenal. You look at the game that AD had forty and twenty. Um, uh, they are the powerhouses and of course those are the top two teams in the NBA in my opinion right now. Then following them, I would go with the Sixers. Then maybe the Rockets. Rockets looked good last night. Harden dropped 59. Uh, Who knows if they can continue to be that good. Is a question. Can they compete with the two powerhouses in the West? Lakers, Clippers. If they can, they then are solidified as a powerhouse in my opinion. But the Lakers and the Clippers have already shown we can dominate. We can dominate any and everybody. And as I hinted at earlier, uh, the young New Orleans core—they're looking phenomenal. They're looking very good. They're not winning every games, but they're competing with top teams. They—they, they, you know, I've seen them compete with the Rockets. I've seen them compete with the Warriors. I've seen them compete with the defending champions, uh, Toronto Raptors. Good young team right now. Off top, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram. Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes, and you factor in. You know you got some good, solid guys who've been in the league for a while. Your Drew Holliday's, your J.J. Riddick's, your Jaleel Okafor's, your Derek Favors, and then you factor in. Okay, when we get Zion back, how good can we be? We're looking at a potential playoff team when we're talking about New Orleans, because that's a great young. That's, in my opinion, I, I believe that's the best young core in the league. The only team that competes with them, as far as the young core, in my opinion, would be probably. The Atlanta Hawks with Kevin Werther, Trey Young, Cam Reddish, um, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins. That's the next best young core team. But right now, I believe the Pelicans have shown we're the best young core. And we're missing our best young player right now, Zion. Zion has to get healthy. He has to get healthy. has to stay healthy. If that is the case, they're a much better team and they are a potential playoff team. But well, one more time, one more small break, and I'm going to finish up the podcast with my last NFL news and a preview of Kovalev versus, versus Alvarez coming up next. All right, people, let's get this last segment on the roll. Uh, we're going to jump right into it with NFL news. If you have been living under the rock, you must not know that Jalen Ramsey did get traded to the L.A. Rams in their first game. With Ramsey there, they look they look very good to me. Ramsey looked very very good. He immediately makes that defense better. Uh, I love the LA Rams. I love what they do. Uh, I feel like they're a great team defensively. You know, of course, losing Marcus Peters and Talib, they traded them off. Talib is now traded to the Dolphins, but who knows if Talib is going to be playing for the rest of the season? Uh, They did put him on IR before trading him with a ankle injury. Uh, they traded Marcus Peters to the Baltimore Ravens. They get Kenny Young, nice, solid linebacker, um, most likely to take the spot of Clay Matthews until he heals up. But adding Jalen Ramsey to their team and seeing what they did, um, of course, Atlanta has not looked very, very good. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that they are an NFL team, and the Rams just outperformed them. Um, I believe adding Jalen Ramsey to their team, it helps you. Hold down that secondary a little bit longer for your pass rushers to get to the quarterback. Aaron Donald, Brockers, uh, Fowler Jr. You know, it helps you hold that down just a little bit longer to, you know, get your lineman to get there or your linebackers to get there. In my opinion, Jalen is the best corner in the game, so, of course, adding him makes your defense better. You know, we don't know how much better they're going to be when they play top teams because you don't have a Tlaib anymore. You don't have a Marcus Peters anymore. Uh, but you still have a John Johnson over the top. And you and, and you still have decent DBs, cornerbacks, to play alongside Ramsey. You know, he can lead the way. You still have a Eric Weddle as well. And, of course, you got your defensive leader, Aaron Donald, who's probably, arguably, the best defensive player in the league right now. Next up, maybe tied for number one, Khalil Mack. But... Of course, you throw Rams into that mix, you are you are a better defense. So, my question is, how good can they be against the top teams when you see, you know, good high power offenses? How good can you be then? Can you still be effective? Because before then, you, we were seeing this Rams defense get toasted. They were getting toasted by the Buccaneers with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They put up 50-plus points. These guys have over seven to eight catches for over 100 yards, um, touchdowns, two touchdowns. These guys were getting toasted by, you know, offenses like that. So how good can you be against experienced, high-power offenses? Uh, I've seen them struggle against the Seahawks. Russell Wilson pretty much picked them apart on Thursday night uh, two or three weeks ago. Uh, Tyler Lockett had a big game. DK Metcalf have a he had a big touchdown uh, grab for 40, you know, I believe 30 or 40 plus yards. The defense had, been, the secondary had been looking shaky. Pass rush couldn't get there right then and there. The secondary collapsed. Now you add Ramsey to there. You know, you have a cornerback that can hold down receivers better. He's a man-to-man corner. He can play zone. Ramsey can do it all. He makes him a better team. I want to see them against a high-power offense to see how good they can be. Next, Marcus Peters. He's a Baltimore Raven now. That most definitely makes that defense a lot better. Me being a Baltimore Ravens fan, Baltimore has always been a team, centered, in my opinion, centered around their linebackers, their past Russian core. Not that good anymore when you factor in that you don't have a Terrell Suggs anymore, uh, but they're still a good team. You signed Peniel McPhee, uh, former champion with your team, a veteran and you you know factor in some of those young guys they still got you still got um, Michael Pierce over there so it's still a good team good solid you know linebacker core but what I like about my Baltimore Ravens now is we've really improved that secondary we draft Martin Humphrey two years ago and in my opinion he's becoming a top corner in this game a healthy Jimmy Smith is a good Jimmy Smith um, I believe he's a lot better than a lot of corners in the league as well good veteran corner like Brandon Carr I've been impressed with what Brandon Carr has done this season he has not given up too many plays he's looked pretty good in his position now you add in a Marcus Peters who's a man-to-man zone corner Then you have a man-to-man corner like Marlon Humphrey on the other side then you have a mixture of both with Jimmy Smith Then you have Earl Thomas over the top. Of course, Tony Jefferson did tear his ACL. But now this secondary is looking very good. Now you have a secondary, much like what I'm predicting that the Rams can do. You have a secondary that can hold down those big-time passes long enough for your pass rushers to get there. Pass rush hasn't been so hard this year because we don't have that many talented pass rushers. But now you have a secondary that can hold it down. Marcus Peters in his first game as a Raven, he gets a pick six. Immediately showing, I can play. I can play. I fit this, you know, I'm here in this defense for a reason. I'm here on this team for a reason. And most definitely, Marcus Peters makes us a better team. Now you factor in, we got a solid, high-power offense against, you know, the best team in the NFL, in my opinion, the, the New England Patriots. Sunday night football. How well can that defense do? How well can that offense do against right now? Probably the best defense in the league. The Patriots are. I mean, they have more touchdowns than some of these receivers in the league, like a Julio Jones and a an Odell Beckham. They have more touchdowns than those guys. This defense has looked phenomenal. And one thing about New England is we've ne- they've they've never been known to to have a great defense. It's always been a good defense, and they're very and and, and they've been very strategic with the way they play. But this is a great defense right now. You cannot deny that. The Patriots defense is absolutely phenomenal right now, along with the 49ers defense. We're going to get to them later on. But how good can that Baltimore defense be against Brady and Belichick and those guys? We shall see. In my opinion, I believe that we should approach the same game plan that we did against the Chiefs. Keep that quarterback off the field. We're the best running team in in the league. With Lamar and Mark Ingram, you factor in that we have, I've I've told a lot of people, we got three great young tight ends. Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle. Nick Boyle is a great blocking tight end who, you know, sometimes can get out there and catch a few passes. Same thing with Mark Andrews. He's off receiving tight end. He gets out there, he gets, you know, maybe three or four catches for 60 yards. Sometimes he may get a touchdown in. Great tight end, Hayden Hurst. You throw him into that mix, you cannot forget about him. He can get maybe two catches for 30 yards for you, or he can. It's a lot of role reversing when it comes down to those tight ends. Great tight end. You factor in Action Jackson, Lamar Jackson. Right now, he's looking phenomenal. Uh, he, he's looking like a cheat code, but I believe that the Patriots will force him to throw the ball. Okay, we've been hearing about your throwing accuracy and all these things improving. Now you have to show us. Show the best defense in the league that you can throw the ball, and I believe that they will force him to throw the ball. They will would, they would look to force Lamar to throw the ball, but if they cannot, and he's getting those runs off, getting those option plays off, handing it off to Mark Ingram, he's getting some good runs. Factoring in Gus Edwards as well, it's going to be a tough day for the Patriots' offense. I do not believe the Patriots have seen anybody like a Lamar Jackson in their running offense. It's going to be interesting to see Sunday night football to see how both teams approach their game plans and, you know, to see who comes out the victor. Of course, the Patriots will be the heavy favorite, but I'm rocking with my team. I believe the Baltimore Ravens will, you know, edge it out. I think our defense can win this game for us. Uh, Tom has looked good, but he has not looked like Tom Brady. I think that we can, you know, send the pass rush a little bit longer uh, to get after Tom Brady, make him uncomfortable. Hopefully, make him you know, make Tom Brady make some mistakes, which is very tough to do because he's, I mean, a vet, great quarterback. It's tough to make Brady make some mistakes, but we, I want to see my defense force them to make mistakes. And next, 49ers are still rolling. They're still, they're, they're still rolling. The only undefeated team in the NFC, of course, they are the last two remaining with the Patriots, and that defense as well as I mean, they're they're rolling. Richard Sherman's leading the way. Yeah, you a young guy like Nick Bosa is still, uh, I mean, he's he's looking great. Bose is looking great. If you've seen what he did against the Browns uh, a few, maybe a week or two ago uh, on Monday night, I mean, he gave Baker Mayfield and those guys trouble. Trouble. And that pass rush is forcing quarterbacks to throw that ball to Richard Sherman and, you know, other DBs and things like that. They're looking very good. Offense is looking, you know, decent, but that their defense in san francisco is looking phenomenal as well they're looking awesome so um i want to, eager to see them as well can the defense really force their offense into making mistakes the way that their defense is doing to teams you know i'll that's what, that's what i want to see you know in, in, in my opinion the best team that they've seen has been the rams i want to see them face you know a few more top teams you know, to see how good they can really be, uh, be. And if they get to the playoffs, can they survive and can they stay in there is my question. And lastly, like I stated before, Kovalev versus Alvarez, which also goes down this weekend. Uh, Alvarez moving up to light heavyweight to look to take the belt from Sergey Kovalev, the crusher. Uh, It's a big test for Canelo. In my opinion, I think Canelo is probably, you know, the best fighter in boxing pound for pound. You know, uh... I'm gonna be honest about that. I love Earl Spence. I love Terrence Crawford, Lomachenko, and those guys. I think you know, Canelo right now is pound for pound number one. But you can argue that you can all you know you can argue that maybe Terrence Crawford may be pound for pound number one. You can argue that it can not be an Earl Spence. You can argue that it could be Vasily Lomachenko. But right now I believe that it is Canelo Alvarez. <clears throat> Him moving up to light heavyweight, that is a big test against one of the best light heavyweights in the world. Sergei Kovalev, he is getting a little bit older. Um, I believe that the power is still there. We know Kovalev is a big guy. Uh, Great left jab. But the question is, uh, can he hurt Canelo? And, you know, can he pretty much keep, you know, stop Canelo from doing what he likes to do? We've seen Canelo do that to fighters. A lot of people don't talk about Canelo's defense a lot. Canelo's a great defensive fighter. If you watch um, one of his last fights against Danny Jacobs, Danny Jacobs was swinging in the air. He was swinging in the air, and you know Canelo does a very good job of going to the body. Kovalev has been, you know, one of those guys. When you hit him to the body enough, he'll fold. So um, it's going to be an interesting fight to see if Kovalev can keep him behind that nice, long, strong left jab. and can he follow up with the big power punch with that big right hand? If not, if if Canelo can take that punch, I truly believe that Canelo would eventually start to figure him out, go to the body, come back up top, and uh look to finish it. I'm gonna go with, you know, Canelo on points. I believe that he, you know, gets a, a solid unanimous decision victory. Uh just off, you know, him being a better boxer, uh, the smarter fighter. And, you know, Canelo's Once his mind, you know, his mind and his body meet up, he's very tough to beat. So I believe that, you know, he's just a smarter fighter, and I believe he's just a better boxer. And I think that will factor in come Saturday night. I believe that um, Kovalev will have trouble with Canelo's speed, and I think he will have trouble with the body punches. Once Canelo figures him out, who knows? He may could get the finish. Uh, We'll have to wait and see, but uh, most definitely, I'm encouraging a lot you know, all of my fight fans, whether you're MMA A boxing tune in to UFC 244. A tune in to Kovalev versus Alvarez. Ryan Garcia is also uh, on that undercard with Canelo. But uh, tune in to a fight this weekend, man. It's a great night of fights. Tune in to the fights this weekend. I will be uh, doing that. Tune in to both. Celebrating my nephew, Grayson Rashad's first birthday party. So, Saturday is going to be a great, great, great day for me. I hope that it is the same for you guys. I want to thank y'all for tuning in. And uh, y'all be blessed, man. Good morning, good morning, people. This is Top Notch Sports coming back to you. Today's date is November 7, 2019. Coming back to you with another episode. And as promised, I was going to recap the Patriots and Ravens game from Sunday Night Football. And um, give you guys an update on... Some basketball, the LA Lakers to be exact, my recap of UFC 244, and Canelo's big win over Sergey Kovalev this past Saturday as well. So stay tuned, get ready for this first segment. Thank you.